there, and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 37 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Robbie Angle. Robbie Angle um, served overseas in Pakistan, and um, now he then he moved to the United States, back to the United States, and served at um, North Point um, Church with Andy Stanley, and now is currently leading a ministry called True Face um, with a byline Beyond the Mask. And um, Robbie and I have a transparent conversation about what he is currently doing at True Face, what True Face offers as far as create an opportunity to create authentic relationships. We talk about the book, The Cure, and um, just an amazing insight um, book. We talk about shame and um, how we can identify with that. And I would encourage you to check out their website, uh, trueface.org, and check out the resources they have there. Uh, valuable for creating team culture, authentic relationships, and uh, very insightful just to, to learn from Robbie and his experience um, learning overseas. We talk about how do we develop trust in um, high stress environments when there seems to be a lot on the line and, and relationships are tense how do we develop that uh, that trust that we all desire and we all want from others but sometimes can be can be challenging as we serve on teams we go into other discussions on on how we can be a high trust leader how we can get to a place where people trust us as we lead um, in our families maybe we're leading a team um, how can we develop these 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 areas and these capacities to be a high trust leader and then what are some of the biggest opposite obstacles that people run into is high capacity and high um, trust leaders. And so it's just a great conversation. Really appreciate Robbie and his willingness um, to sit down and have this conversation. Just want to let you know, um, as of September, we're going to move the podcast just to one um one episode a week, and that will launch on Monday. And um, I've caught up on all the interviews I had done leading up to COVID, and then they started piling up, and we wanted to get those out because they were great interviews. Um, but I think as of September, we'll be able just to go back to um, one episode um, a week, and those will launch on Monday. If you could subscribe to the podcast, whether you're using iTunes or whatever you're using, Google Play or Stitcher or Spotify, or whatever, if you subscribe, then that'll pop up right up, and you won't um, fall behind on any of the great interviews. We've got some great interviews coming up with Warren Bullock. We'll talk about um, when words hurt. We're going to we'll talk with Dr. Jim Bradford, um, Denny Miller. We have a long list, Pastor Aaron Cole, Darius Johnston, um, Liz Corbin, Daniel M. There's a long list of great interviews coming, and um, we're really looking forward to that. So, well, just want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland, caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings. I'm so excited to be here today on the Clarity Podcast with my new friend Robbie. Um, we have uh, were just introduced uh, a few weeks ago via email, and getting to see him face to face. I listened to his podcast to try to get an insight about who he is and where he's coming from, and so he can share a little bit about his podcast. I would highly recommend it. Robbie, thanks for being on the podcast today. Could you just share a little bit about yourself with the listeners, and um, so they can get an idea who you are and a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's been fun to meet you, Aaron. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And uh, a little bit about me. Um, I've been an awesome Christian my whole life. Um, I'm I'm really good at being a Christian. Um, I also am really good at having uh, some significant pride issues, but we'll get to that later, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I've I've been all over the map. Uh, I was a finance major, thinking the business world was the toughest ministry field. 
Yeah. And then I ended up in northern Pakistan doing disaster response work after an earthquake in 05 with Samaritan's Purse. And okay. then uh, ended up in professional counseling, getting mm -hmm. a master's. Uh, yeah. My wife talked me into it. I said, I'm not sweet or empathetic <laughs> or a good listener. She said I had enough issues that I could work on myself and help other people maybe. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I ended up at a church, which I never thought I would work at because uh -huh. churches typically are... Uh, you don't have a great reputation of being places to work at. Uh, I've been there for about eight years. Um, and I was the director of men's groups and the director of adult ministries, men's groups, married groups, women's groups, um, at a church, uh, North point, uh, community church in Alpharetta. Andy Stanley was, is the lead pastor. So we had about a thousand small groups, which okay. in our church, which we oversaw, which we hoped people would grow spiritually through the context of community as the discipleship spiritual formation uh, avenue at a church of tens of thousands of people every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so after that, I shifted about uh, eight months ago into a role from a big ship down to a small ship, ship a parachurch ministry called True Face, which uh, had changed my life. And I've got eight kids. Um, uh, busy six, man. Yeah, six boys, uh, two girls, all nine and under. So wow. we, I have no life, no money, no time, no energy. Yeah. Nine and under. Yeah, we, we have five adopted, three biological. We adopted domestic. Um, wow. When I was dating my wife's, she went on a missions trip to Russia when she was like 14. And so we were dating and she said, I'm adopting. You yeah. want to too, right? And I'm like, of course, I've always wanted to adopt. You're hot, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we have a busy household. We have a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to be on here. That's awesome, man. So um, you shared that you had spent some time in northern, northern Pakistan working in a high-stress environment. And um, the podcast is entitled Clarity. And working in high-stress environments, I, I find a lot of times can create a lot more ambiguity than it can clarity. How did you, how did working in high stress environments like that, how did you find, how did you see trust and how did you find um, clarity to trust people working in such a, a pressure cooker environment? I wish I could say I did it better. Um, I, I think I took for granted uh, what comes naturally when you're in the States or in your home country in regards to the natural community you have with your family, your friends, your, um, your work, your church, like it community comes naturally to a degree that you almost take it for granted. And I didn't realize this towards the end of my time in Pakistan that what I had taken that for granted. So I wasn't, when we take things for granted, we're not as intentional mm -hmm. uh, with them when all of a sudden they disappear. Yeah. Um, and so you know, in Pakistan, it's, it's us. And you meet one or two other English speaking, you know, in, in the hills in Kashmir, yeah. uh, trying to do relief projects. It's, it's naturally incredibly isolating because all your natural support systems are upended. And so I wasn't as intentional. Um, and that looks differently for everybody up. Uh, but um, I wasn't intentional until the last couple months where I started saying, I'm gonna, prioritize different groups of relationships to have community, to live in community, 
um, be it virtually or in person, and I'm going to prioritize those above the to-dos and the whirlwind of the never-ending busyness uh, mm. that a lot of us face in the field. Yeah. And so it, I started having that community um, and relationships that are intentional and purposeful are the foundation for building trust. Uh, That's good. On, on a horizontal level, right. the trust with God on a vertical level is a whole nother, whole nother. <laughs> It is. It is. Hey, and that kind of segues into um, you had recommend we were going back and forth and email the book, The Cure. And um, I dove into that. And when I was listening to your podcast and you and I had talked a little bit about performing versus trusting in God, could you just dive a little bit deeper into that and um, what you've learned um, in the last few years about performing versus trusting in God and that trusting God vertically? Yeah. Um. Before I jump into how the cure changed my life, I'll give you a little context about my issues. Um, so I'm firstborn son, high drive, high achiever, been a believer from a young age. God's had a pretty authentic faith. Life yeah. short. God's the only thing that matters. So um, here we go, God. What do you want? I'll do whatever, wherever. Um, yeah. And subtly, us high driven Christians, you know, in Sunday school growing up, it's like, if you really love Jesus, we celebrate like Billy Graham and the missionaries in Africa. You that's, know? True. Like, that's true. And so, so then all of a sudden, you know, and I, and, and that's from a healthy position of desiring to do whatever for God. And yeah. so I found myself in Northern Pakistan leading a team of 40 people doing incredible missions, uh, led some, some people to the faith and just like, on paper, it was the answer to all my hopes and dreams of doing something significant and purposeful with my life for God. Yeah. And it was also uh, the most broken I'd ever felt and distant spiritually I'd ever felt in my life. So hmm. I reached a point where on paper, everything was perfect with God of doing for him. Yeah. And, but internally, I felt more disconnected and... Um, separated from the experience of God's love as I'd ever felt. And I realized uh, over a couple months um, of just being really broken that God was saying, Robbie, stop. Hmm. Like you're doing this to, to address your own fears of not living a life of purpose. You're doing all of this um, because this desire to do for me, my desires for you as your father are that you would go back to the States and be a janitor in a high school Hmm. And just receive my love for you for 15 minutes a day. Just hmm. receive how much I love you as your father. And internally, uh, when I felt, when I thought of that narrative, if you know me in the depths of my pride, it was like everything in me was like, please no God. Like, yeah. don't let me do nothing for you. Like, yeah. let me do something for you. And in that moment, it was the beginning of a journey of starting to unpack the depths of my pride, my fears of not living a life of purpose, my desire to do for God, to earn and, and, and receive his love and him going, dude, I've done it all. That's what the gospel is. And my need to do for God to receive his love was the ceiling of my experience of grace. Mm. And that was the ceiling of my experience of his love that as a father, I felt him going, I don't need you to do anything for me. I've done it. I got this. I love you and I just want you to receive my love. And so that started this journey that was like so freeing in learning to trust God and receive his love. Um, 
because I had read like Practice of the Presence of God and yeah. and Humility by Andrew Murray and like right. all this stuff. And I knew those principles. Yeah. Um, this was a, a season in my life where I started to experience um, the truths of what humility and trusting God allows in regards to just receiving his love instead of trying to earn it. Yeah, and good. just like the Galatians who were like, he was like, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Like you started with the gift and then you got to work trying to earn it. And it's yeah. like that started, it's all throughout the New Testament yeah. and it is all throughout my life. And I'm yeah. still on that process of trying to figure that out. Yeah, that's good. Do you think you would have ever got there if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have went to Pakistan? I think I would have. But I'm so, so, so thankful that my father knew how screwed up I was. And he loved me so much that he knew I needed to go to like the most extreme and realize that there wasn't what I was looking for of purpose, significance, like making God happy. And this is all super subtle theology identities. Um, It was, there was, it was so extreme, like Al Qaeda territory, you know, like, in 0506 that he knew I needed that to yeah. be um, as broken as I was internally. Because if I was like a missionary in like Costa Rica, I would have been like, yeah, but the guys in Africa, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they're the ones that really love Jesus. And yeah. the, the irony after that, uh, and I think he knew, he knew my heart to free yeah. me from that burden to be able to experience grace and receive his love. And the irony in that is I went from like, super Christian field world. Cause we all have our bubbles in the Christian world of like how good we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And so I was like, like great disaster response missions. Yeah. And then I went into like mega church. Uh, you know, I'm in my thirties as the director of spiritual formation at the second largest church in the country, you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, close enough, like celebrity, like millions of reach and huge platform. Right. And it's, you know, and there's zero, uh, fulfillment in that world either. And yeah. I'm close friends with all the guys who yeah. have podcasts with millions of followers and this <laughs> and that. And it's like, um, at the end of the day, like, um, he's just smiling going, it's cute guys. Y'all are trying, but I don't need it. And man, I love you. And I go, and you know, I just want to receive more and more of his love and experience his love. And it was when I read the cure about eight years ago, okay. um, that, uh, I'd been wrestling with this stuff and counseling my identity stuff, working, working with men and women and working with uh, Smearn's Purse uh, field staff a lot throughout Africa on self-care and, and kind of identity stuff that like, gets so hard for us in the field because we're the awesome Christians doing amazing yeah. things for God. So how could God not love us? And be <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was when I read The Cure that said, um, do we see ourselves as saints who occasionally sin or mm. sinners striving to be saints? Mm. And it, it was like, ah, oh, I gave handles to this theology and view of God. And, and do we see ourselves looking at our pile of sin yeah. as a pile of sin between us and God that we need to clean up in order yeah. to have a better relationship? Or do we see our pile of sin in front of us with Jesus with his arm around us going, yep, that's a lot. We're good. We'll work yeah. on it together. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, those subtle reframes of like the, the premise of the cure is an allegorical story mm-hmm. where we're walking down a path and we come to a fork in the road yeah. and, the, and there's two paths and a sign to the left says pleasing God. 
Yeah. And a sign goes to the right, says trusting God. Yeah. Um, and the subtle differences of those um, and how we, our, our primary motive in understanding and viewing God and therefore how God views us, our identity and how that comes into shame and motives of pleasing versus trusting and where that leads us. It gave handles to my issues and my yeah. predisposition to earn God's love, yeah. which again was the ceiling of my grace. I just started unlocking more yeah. of a freedom and a lightness of the gospel. Yeah. And was that a move? As I read the book, it talked about, I think, the, the room of good performance or good intentions or something along those lines. But he talks about he was there and then he left and then, but his tendency was to go back. Have you found in your journey that you've wanted to drift back? Which we talked before the podcast. I said, I'm, I, I'm, that's one of my, I'm a performer. I know that um, and struggle with that. But I do know that I do drift that way. I mean, if I do, yeah. if I do, do not do anything, it's like being in the ocean. I, I drift towards performance. And um, yep. have you found that or have, or, oh, yeah. or has that not been your case? Yeah. Um, that was what's yeah when we please god which the guy in the book was like oh yeah of course that's what i'm supposed to do so i'm gonna go down pleasing god and he gets to the room of good intentions and it's a bunch of missionaries and insurance brokers and teachers and a bunch of awesome christians who are going i'm yeah things are great man god is good you know we're 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 striving to be all that we can be and we're managing our sin and we're doing great um he leaves that after being exhausted which a lot of us have in ministry and in life yeah. and went to the room of grace where yeah. humility and um and, and the freedom of vulnerability and being known and trusting each other uh is is more enabled by trusting god and others with ourselves and that's down the path of trusting god um and so yeah my natural predisposition as a as a doer, it's so easy. And I, and I think it is affirming. It's not um, that I'm a failure because again, we look through the new Testament. It's like the natural current and gravity to pull us towards doing for God and pleasing and earning. Yeah. And I, and it's because of our chief sin in our flesh of pride yeah. that pride controls. And so of yeah. course we want to be able to earn, be able to deserve this thing called grace and what happened on the cross. Um, that is the power of religion and mm-hmm. that's the power of pride in every single one of us. And I'm really good at that. So yeah. I've got, uh, friends who know this about me. I've got mentors that know this about me and I have a very strong, sweet, beautiful 98 pound wife who knows this <laughs> deeply about me and, and, and looks for tell signs of, yeah. um, where my heart starts um, feeling. Uh, so one of the tell signs, uh, a yeah. couple things in my life as the gravity pulls me in there all yeah. the time yeah. to answer your question is that I start um, feeling hurried in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dallas Willard said the goal to godliness is to ruthlessly eradicate hurry. And we, we can be busy with yeah. eight kids and run in a ministry. <laughs> and <other stuff>. But <laughs> we can be unhurried. And a lot of that is, am I trusting God with my future, with the outcomes, or yeah. am I white knuckling the steering wheel and yeah. going to go, okay, God, you put me in this position. Now I'm going to make it happen. And I, I'm carrying the expectation and the weight. And, um, and that leads to a hurriedness that leads to a, a, 
control, which will sometimes surface in anger or reactivity or an urgency and a snappiness and less presence. Um, and the opposite of that, when I, when I know I'm in a more trusting position of God and not trying to earn it, strive it, control it, is the fruit of that is love, which is yeah. peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness. And, and yeah. that's the greatest indicator of when my heart uh, yeah. starts naturally being a reflection of my identity, moving from my eyes and my driver as an overflow of receiving his love, mm -hmm. um, leading to the obedience and leading to the fruitfulness uh, instead being an outflow of my subtle, okay, God, you put me here. So I'm going to go get this done for you and do this. It's a hairline difference. Yeah. And I, I vacillate into health and unhealth all the time. Yeah. But, and have you given those people, you said mentors and friends in, in your 98 pound wife, have you give them, given them permission to speak into your life in those areas or how, how does that work out? Cause that takes a lot of vulnerability to, to tell to ask for people to do that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have built a team. Um, I've got a couple guys that I ask myself routinely, um, am I fully known by them? Do hmm. they know my last 10% with intentionality and consistency? Not okay. like the friend from college where you could talk every year and it's like you're back to normal. Yeah. Um, that, that doesn't have a degree of intentionality and consistency to reap the fruit of being known, which okay. is that, consistent sharpening. Hey, how are you loving Emily lately? Yeah. Like, Hey, how much are you, have you been working lately? Um, yeah. you know, what time you've been being home? Yeah. They see those patterns. Also, I've got a couple mentors that do the same thing. And, um, and they, I, it, it is the safety and the freedom of being known is something that I never want to not have. Mm -hmm. But I also know my drift there is towards isolation because yeah. to prioritize the investment and the time and the intentionality to being fully known is hard to prioritize with all the other asks. And yeah. so um, I'm in a good season in the majority over the past decade. Um, I have made it a goal and a priority that I have quarterly checks on my, I'm a little bit, weird with the systems. And I, I asked myself good. quarterly, am I fully known with intentionality and consistency with guys on my side? Yeah. And then guys ahead of me. Yeah. And who am I opening my life to for guys below me as the um, mentoring type role? So yeah. yeah. And I also have a weird internal check. I probably have never told anybody this one. Uh, okay. My fully known guys know this. But like, so my weird internal thing, because I was at North Point, director of adult ministries, you know, the subtlety of how that creeps in, like, yeah. especially like I'm a missionary, like, you know, the subtlety of how much that is part of our identity in a healthy way versus an unhealthy way, we cannot differentiate. That's why we need others objectively who love us and know our last 10%, because yeah. that's way too murky for us independently to know. The closest I get on an independent check is that, literally on a weekly basis because of how screwed up I was in Pakistan and how quickly I go back to pleasing is I go through this narrative in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, I live in Dawsonville, Georgia. So I said, okay, you know, as a president of a nonprofit, as a director of adult ministries, God, if you put it, the subtle whispers of the spirit, put it on my heart to be, um, to drive a school bus for elementary school kids in Dawsonville, like, yeah. would I trust you? because that that's what you would have for me and plan yeah. for me. Um, and that 
you in stewarding your kingdom and figuring out how you want to use us as part of your kingdom and expanding that, you might have greater plans there. And do I trust you enough with that, that I would give up and walk away from the tide on the accolades and feeling great about myself to go do that? And that's like, that starts stirring in me like, "Ah, I don't know, because it feels pretty good to say, (laughs) you know, right. But he would know, like God would know that if like, even by just being a consistent, loving bus driver, that some, that fifth grade kid who I never even talked to about Jesus yeah. God planted something in his heart that grew into a faith later. And then that kid's kid is the kid that changes the world as the yeah. next, you know, um, who knows, but God right. knows. And he I does. trust that. that that's, that's my weird internal weekly check. No, I've been doing no. literally for like five, six years. No, and those are practical. And when I listen to podcasts, that's what I want. I want things that I can hear and key points that I can put in action into my life. And that, that resonates with me. Just it's, I don't think it's a weird thing at all. I think it's a, it's practical is a performer. I, I, I guess kind of getting back to the people that you, that know their last 10%. How do you respond to that? I, I think for me, um, when people would, if the people that know my life, honestly, I feel shameful if they confront me. Do you ever, do you ever bump up, up with that? Because we're performers. We want to be hundred percent. We want to have it all together and all right. And then someone comes up that knows as well. Do you ever drift towards shame? And, and does that distort your vision of who God is in those moments of those people holding you accountable? Oh, that's well said. We need to do a two-parter podcast, Aaron. The, uh, the, the, to answer your question, no, I don't know what shame is. Um, but, <laughs> sorry, that was sarcasm. My wife tells me sarcasm is an unhealthy form of communication. I need, I need to reverse. Um, but the, the, like, so who, who was it? You might know the guy that said, like, our greatest indicator of our theology, how we view God is how we view ourselves. Mm. Um, somebody smart and wiser than me said that. And wasn't it me and one, it wasn't you, but we, we had somebody else. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. So <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> our, our greatest descriptor of our theology, how we view God is in our identity, how we view ourselves. Yeah. Um, that is an interesting principle because it, if, if I see God, the days that I see God in a healthy way, it, it means, oh, that is grace. Like what he did, the original good news, he did it all. It's yeah. done. I'm a saint who occasionally sins. I'm yeah. an adopted son of God made righteous, like Im- imparted righteousness in righteousness, not imputed righteousness. Imparted, his righteousness is literally a part of me with this perfect spirit of God as a part of me fused with me do I see myself as a saint? Do I see myself as perfect? Like Andrew Murray talked about when I see myself as perfect, the, the, the strongholds of shame, when I have a right theology, the strongholds of shame of which shame is I'm a failure. I suck. I won't. How could I, that is the ceiling of our experience of grace and receiving his love for us because I can't receive your love because I don't deserve it because I suck. Right. Um, and, I, this is a thin line too of vacillating, which is like the mature, incredible 70 year olds are yeah. further down the road than me. And <laughs> I was further down the road than I was 10 years ago in regards to re daily trusting God more with who he says I am. And every day I do that, my shame is less, which um, my shame that says I'm a failure. My father's up there going, no, 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 no. Like I have made you righteous. Yeah. Um, 
and out of that, uh, shame is so much more decreased that I have the freedom to be fully known by guys in my life, by mentors, by those close to me. So they know the last 10% because yeah. that's not dictating who I am and how I feel about myself and in my position with God, because I have him going, you're good, dude. Like you're a hundred percent righteous. So then I'm going, Hey guys, I was on a trip this weekend and this thing stumbled across the internet and it was yeah. like pulling me like a freaking, you know, right towards right. it. Cause I'm an addict right. and I've, I've been sober a while, but this is, man, I felt the yeah. addiction flare and yeah. y'all, I, I, I just want to call and let you know, because y'all pray for me and I just want right. to break the cycle of the secrecy because yeah. what's in the dark rose. And That's they go, right. awesome dude. Love you. And it didn't define me. And it's so freeing. And man, when you experience the freedom of being fully known, hmm. uh, it's so life giving that I'm so afraid of going back into hiding. Um, yeah. and, and, and hiding is a response to the shame, but at the same time, being fully known helps me help, helps people speak truth into me that I'm not, who my internal narrative of shame wants to tell me I am. Yeah. And so it's that chicken egg, carb yeah. horse, like <laughs> intertwining of how we view God and how we view ourselves with shame, being known, being vulnerable, um, is this world we're talking about today, which is, yeah. again, I'm still trying to figure out, but um, this is, and it is heightened and more difficult for those of us in ministry. Yeah. I mean, Business guys have identity stuff because we, you know, we are our title and our job. Ministry guys and girls are like way more screwed up identity wise because we're doing stuff. <laughs> God. So it's like, you know, forget money and title. We start mixing all that together with like what we're doing for yeah. God. We need each other and we need the freedom of being known in order to have a chance at uh, wrestling through the things that just come with the territory of ministry, which are just hard. Oh. isolation, identity. Um, there's a reason why there's a lot of us that don't make it and stay yeah. the course because yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And it, you can only, you can only, I think in the Curie talks about wearing different masks, you can only wear the mask for so long. And yeah. um, it, at the end of the day, you get tired of taking the mask on and off and people just give up, give in, or, you know, or check out one of the, one of those things. And it's, uh, it's tough. If in that, do you think that people are drawn to ministry because they're performers? Do you think there's something in that, that people that are in ministry, it's because they like to perform and they think that's the direction they're going to go? Or do you think that's just, there's no correlation there? I know I was, and I know a lot of my friends in ministry struggled in the same way. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it, what started, what starts healthy with a lot of us of authentic outflowing of God, you have loved me and I've experienced your love. Therefore, help me if I can um, use more time, talents, and treasure during the week to yeah. help other people experience that love. That is amazing. Yeah. And praise God for all of us going into ministry. It's that gravitational pull that you talked about where that starts, um, what we're doing for God starts becoming the driver of the subtlety, the hairline difference of being our internal driver of and what we're doing for God, replacing our relationship with God, um, what of earning, of pleasing. It's so subtle, but that is what's so much more difficult for those that start good in ministry that 
we're going to be pulled there unless we're proactive and remind ourselves daily um, to trust God and receive his love without, and, and the freedom of him not needing us to do anything for him. uh, That's a, it's just hard in ministry. And that's why I, I love what you're doing. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I came out of Burkina Faso was God wanted me. Um, I, he wants me, but he doesn't need me. He's still God. The kingdom's still going to go forward. It, it, it's He's not dependent on me. I'm dependent on him. And I'd like to say that I went to Burkina Faso with that all clear in my head. But somewhere, there was some little seed, and maybe it was more than a seed, I hate to admit, that somehow God... The kingdom was dependent on me being in Burkina Faso and me doing my work for God. And if I wasn't there, it wasn't going to go forward. And uh, it was just a big lie. So I think for me, that there was the seed that somehow that God, um, God was dependent on me being there and the kingdom was to be dependent on me being there and the kingdom going forward was there. And it took, a, it took, you know, six, eight months having malaria laying on my back and realizing eh, the kingdom was a lot bigger than there in Santa Meyer and it was still going to go forward whether I was uh, there or not. I believe God called me to be there. I believe God wanted me to be there, but the kingdom was not dependent on me. And um, man, it was a, it was a, a humbling lesson. And as you said, I, you know, I, I don't, I've always, I wouldn't want to go back there. Um, but I needed to be, I needed to be there because as you shared with your story, God just brought a lot of things into focus. And I don't know if I, if I hadn't went there, eventually I would have got there, but it, it might've taken a lot longer um, for God to work those things out in my life. So well said, as far as true face, what are you, what are, what is true face? What are you, what is the ministry focused on? Are you addressing some of these common themes? And uh, could you just unpack it a little bit for us? Yeah, True Face is a ministry that's been around for 25 years. Uh, I, I, uh, they brought me on about eight months ago um, as the founders, the co-founders are 67 and 80, Bill okay. Thrall and, and Bruce McNichol. Uh, so they said, hey, uh, we're getting older. <laughs> Let's bring on a young guy and hand this thing over to him. And we, we've, uh, True Face has written six or seven books, done consulting and teaching around the world. Um, on how we trust God and others with ourselves in order to yeah. experience biblical principles like grace uh, in, in a real way and help move, people move from knowing about God to experiencing God. So a lot of the stuff we're working on and what we do is equip people to experience authentic, real, meaningful relationships with God and others. Yeah. It's moving from knowing about God to experiencing God. And, and it's for those of us believers, it's a parachurch ministry for uh-huh. us believers who go, is this all there is to it? You know, we've been doing <laughs> ministry, we've been reading quiet times and like what like Christ in me, New Testament stuff, like okay, I know about this like access to the Holy Spirit and like the freedom, aliveness in Christ, but it's not a reality to me. Yeah. And so it's in that space of trust moving from pleasing to trusting. Yeah. of learning to give love and receive love in humility after we deal with our shame and identity. We, we, we create relational experiences for hmm. people to connect with God and others. Yeah. So that can come through small group curriculum, writings, um, books, uh, relational journeys for people to have 10 conversations together okay. um, it, to more intensive high trust leader course kind of theological seminary type classes on this stuff. So yeah, we, we want to equip 
men and women like you with tools and resources to help accelerate real relate authentic relationships that's awesome and your podcast can you just share a little bit um uh, you know a thumbprint of your podcast and you've you've revamped it and kind of has a refocus at least from what i've listened um what's your focus going in the future as far as the podcast yeah uh so if you go to trueface.org you could sign up for the mailing list and and every other week we have a podcast and the off week we put out a blog um mm -hmm. for the trueface tribe um but the the podcast is pretty easy. I just bring on a guest. They share a story from their life, unpack the principle that they learned in that story, and then we try to apply it into our own lives. It's a 20, 30-minute podcast of applying biblical principles into our lives through experiences. And so uh, I, I, if you go to the website, really the place to start, especially uh, for those of us in ministry, I would recommend The Cure. Uh, okay. It's the signature teaching in a book. Uh, by True Face, which changed my life again eight years ago with all this, just knowing what it looks like, the difference between pleasing God and trusting God. On Amazon, um, it can download it Kindle-wise? Yeah, Kindle, Amazon, Audible, uh, or just our website at trueface.org. We make like $2 more per book if you go to trueface.org than Amazon. There you go. Uh, there you so. go. For it's a good to know. nonprofit funding off donations, as you guys know the world of. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I was leading into the question. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it was, that's good. And um, what are you, last question, what are you excited about? When you look into the future, you're, you're in this new leadership position. Um, we talked about some of your challenges and uh, what, what, what puts gas in your tank and what's your motivation as you look to the future? Yeah. Um, I, I deeply believe God has designed us to grow through the context of relationships mm -hmm. and relationships that lead to spiritual growth are really hard to find and are more rare than norm in our worlds. Mm. And what fires me up is figuring out ways to make it easier for people to experience okay. spiritual growth through relationships. Yeah. Um, the next generation doesn't know how it's the most disconnected generation. Um, we're having a hard time finding community uh, mm -hmm. in churches, especially churches that are beyond the natural, uh, the size of 150, 200 people. Once it right. passes that, how do you, how do you grow through the context of relationships, which is innate in God's design as he is relational in nature as the Trinity and this <laughs> uh, modeled uh, spiritual growth and discipleship. Uh, and define discipleship by the yeah. way you love one another yeah. and yeah, one good. another is not an independent thing. And that's, so that's I just, true. we, I want to make that easier for people and, and uh, creating tools and equipping people to have more meaningful, authentic relationships with this 25 years of IP and teaching from True Face yeah. that I just got handed is that's just right. exciting. I that's mean, it's awesome. super that's awesome. Well, Robbie, I appreciate your time. Will you pray for our audience? Pray that God will use our conversation and the conversation we had to speak to people where they're at. And just, just pray um, that God will use this in the areas we talked about, trust, trusting in him and um, and looking at the, the areas of shame that maybe we deal with. And then the performers out there, um, it's kind of been a... Uh, it's been cathartic for me to, to talk about my performance nature. So would you pray for us? I'd love to. God... Uh... It is, um, we don't take for granted how cool it is to be able to access the God of the universe, the creator of the universe who um, 
loves us as our father a thousand times anything we can ever comprehend. Um, and, and also to be able to make new friends and talk with each other about these truths and about your love um, as we're spread ac across Africa and um, in different roles and opportunities to help people know how much you love them. Um, through the different ministries we are humbled and honored to be a part of and across Africa and the world. And thanks for um, this group and this tribe um, that Aaron is supporting with this stuff. And I pray that for all of us that um, you give us a awareness of how much you love us today, a little bit more um, through the spirit inside of us. Uh, just reveal that to us. We love you and uh, we trust you. Amen. Amen. Amen.